Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I've been around cybersecurity for 20 years, and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. As part of my work, I'm doing vendor consulting and security advisory. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I always intrigued to learn how companies start. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own journey. This podcast is also affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have a pleasure today to talk to Carla from Orphis. Can you please tell us about yourself and the company? I have had a couple of businesses myself in the past. And about two years ago, I joined Orpheus. Orpheus are a threat-led cybersecurity company. So we have a very good, highly accredited threat intelligence team. And then we do threat-led cyber risk ratings and threat-led vulnerability management. Great. Thank you. So I know you didn't start the company. But there was kind of a motivation, some kind of a history about why the company started to fix a problem or the need the company saw to fix a problem. Can you maybe share about the history? The company was started by Oliver Church. He was a partner in a large consulting firm and has been in threat intelligence for most of his career. The company is accredited to do CBEST work. Now, CBEST in the UK, it's where the Bank of England get the financial services companies to do threat-led pen testing on their businesses for the largest bank in the UK. So the methodology behind that is you're looking at who might want to attack you, how they might typically do that. And then a pen test team, a red team will go and test out the scenarios that you have provided based on your threat intelligence. So we realized that actually you could apply that to any company with a score. So we look at who might want to attack you, how they might want to do that, and then provide a score based on the things that we can see about you as a company. That was the journey to get us where we are with the risk rating. So basically, you productize certain aspects of the service and then it realize that you can show the senior management the risk level of if they can hack and what is the risk being hacked, I'm guessing. Exactly that. Productize the service. I love that. So that's exactly what we did. And at a time when third-party risk was becoming and is still, obviously, a bigger and bigger issue realizing actually we can apply those to a third party, a supply chain process means that there's a kind of a great application to solve a problem that we were seeing within the market. Is the validation of the idea was hard or there was already a need? It was quite easy to bridge to other values and other kind of markets as well. Yeah, there has been a validation of that. You know, companies are looking for ways to speed up, right? We do annual service surveys and we find companies on average have around 4,000 vendors. So you can't do proper audits on all of those vendors and actually even questionnaires are quite time consuming. So companies were looking for a way to speed up that process and we've definitely filled that gap. What we kind of didn't necessarily go after was the cyber insurance market. I think there's a lot of opinions on cyber insurance at the moment, but they are typically using tools like ours and they like the threat led element too. So everyone else is just looking at what can we see by scanning you as a company. We're applying that threat intelligence to it. So that that insurance market came as a secondary thing, but has been very successful for us as well. How hard was to license the product? Because in a threat intelligence and in red teaming and pen testing, you kind of need to scope almost every opportunity. So it's very hard to repeat. What do you guys did to make sure you can actually repeat the process without making it very customizable for every customer? A lot of development work and a lot of testing and a team of very good data scientists. We have our own threat intelligence team. So all the threat intelligence is coming from our team. It's not licensed from anywhere else. We do use other sources, but really it's our team that's making that applied intelligence. That was a process, but quite an easy one. And then it doesn't need to be 
customized per company. So our data type team have really worked very hard to work out what they think is the best application of the scores and how you best predict risk. We've done a couple of trials recently with companies that have said that they see us as a very strong predictor of loss and of risks. We've had some external validation on those scores as well. Because you do that intelligence, you offer actually the services to understand what's happening after that, I'm guessing. So it's not just a high level scan, it's a bit more deeper. Exactly. Pulling in, I think, 30, 35 different data sources and that threat overlay makes it very different from anything that other companies are doing or that you could do for yourself. With all the tasks and everything need to be done day by day, what is the magic to stay on top of the important task and not just go and do stuff that are less important and not bringing money to the company and not moving the company forward? You know, I've probably read every productivity book that's out there, so I, don't, I still don't know if I have the magic answer. It's an ongoing thing. What I do is I plan my week, so I will block time in my week to make sure that things are getting done, particularly in a world where we're all in calls and meetings. Like I find kind of blocking time for certain tasks to make sure those things do get done and don't move to the next week has been really successful for me. Same methodology, other people in the company use other groups to make sure you guys align or everybody use different tools? Different teams use different tools. So our developer team have a certain way of, of working and of prioritizing. And then our analyst team have something slightly different, but they work very closely as teams and as units to make sure that we're kind of hitting all the key objectives. And then it's hard, right? You know, if a client comes through and wants a certain piece of work, or if we decide we're going to develop something to get a new client on board, then things can change at the last minute. But the teams themselves work to a very good process. You mentioned teams and people. At the end of the day, if you don't have a very good team to do the intelligence, to do the work, it's going to be very hard to succeed. How was the hiring process? Not just the hiring, how the keeping people process as well? Because we see a lot of on the market, people hire people, they train the people, then they leave after a year and a half because somebody gives them a different character, a bit more money. I mean, I could probably talk for hours on this particular topic. We've designed to do a couple of different things. We are making sure that everybody gets a response from us. So you will get a response if you apply to us. If you interview, you'll get feedback. And we try and move it through very quickly. So especially for maybe entry-level roles or roles within our analyst team, we try and move that through within less than two weeks from application to getting an offer. So that's really helped us. And then when it comes to keeping people, everybody has a training budget and everybody has a development plan. Everybody can see and should know what the requirements are to be promoted to the next level and what they need to go and achieve. So we try and support people in how they develop in their career rather than just you've got business objectives to achieve. How are we helping you develop as a person and as a professional? That's been quite key to us and how we have retained people. Is there a particular values that you check the people against them to make sure they fit the company? Yeah, we have company values that we hire against and accountability, making sure that you're taking ownership of the work that you do. That's a really big one for us, making sure that you are always delivering what you've said you will. And then for me personally, my big one is honesty. So I don't mind if people make mistakes. I just need them to be honest with what they're doing and what they've got going on. And I found having that as part of my own hiring process and using that with my team has helped me be reasonably successful as 
a leader. How can you check for honesty in the couple of meetings? You mentioned two weeks. I can kind of tell you anything I want pretty much if I'm a good speaker, but I don't think in particular roles you find you need looking for good speakers. You're probably looking for people that can do the work as well. So I used to use a question where I would ask someone what the last lie they told was because everybody tells little lies all the time. And so people that could come up with something, you know, that would be my test. I don't use that anymore. And I don't love that anymore as a question. But what I'm looking for in the interview process now is if I ask you what you think the challenges in the role might be or where your gaps are, what I'm looking for is somebody that has got a self-awareness to give me an answer on that. The people that say, well, no, I've never worked in a business like this, but I'm sure it'll be fine. It can't be much different. That's not very self-aware. It doesn't work for me. I'm looking for someone that can say, honestly, these are the gaps that I think I have. These are the things that I think are going to be hard because someone that's willing to be that kind of vulnerable in the interview process, I'm going to be able to work with. So it's not just self-awareness, but also understanding maturity of the person that they understand they're not perfect and they know there's problems and they know how to work with their problems as well. Exactly. And if you're taking a job where you don't have any areas of development, then that's probably not the right job for you. Fair. This is a very interesting point. Also, there is different type of people. We have all this psychological test of defined if you're a leader, if you're a doer, and multiple things as well. I have a couple of good friends that if you start a meeting, they have to go from A, B, C, D, E, and I will always jump from A to Z, depending on where we're going, which is different. And I personally believe that it's a good idea to have different type of personalities in a group. Because then we're making sure we're not making mistakes because everybody agrees with one direction because we all think similarly. And if somebody thinks differently, they will always point like, you guys are wrong. We cannot go there. So what is your objective on this part? I think that's a really important point. We should and we do hire to create a team. You're not just hiring individuals. You are hiring for a team. This point for me is a really obvious one when we talk about diversity. You see people, there's a little bit of backlash against, well, you should hire the best person for the job, which obviously you should. It doesn't always have to be that you need to have a certain amount of women in your team or a certain amount of people with different races or different economic backgrounds. But actually, those characteristics can help you make a better team and help you make a more rounded team. So I think about it really from a diversity standpoint that you're hiring for a team and different personalities and then different experiences because of those characteristics can be part of that. Thank you. If you can give advice to yourself a couple of years back, what would the advice would be to have a better business leader? I think one of the things that I've got better at over the years is knowing where my boundaries are, what I will and won't accept, and being very clear on those from the outset and making sure that they're mine, not other people's. You know, I've probably been previous roles, maybe nudged by what my boss's boundaries were rather than what mine were so I think knowing where mine are and how I've set those with my team I think that's something I wish I'd learned a little earlier that's a good one can you share something in the company that show the company, oh, we're on the right track. We're actually going in the right direction. We have the right product with the right approach. We've had a really exciting one recently. So I mentioned we do risk-based vulnerability management. We score vulnerabilities based on threat intelligence and a few other things. And one of the things that we can do in that is we can predict which vulnerabilities will be exploited in the future. So I'm sure you know thousands of vulnerabilities exploited. Very few of them actually ever get exploited. We can predict which ones. And recently we we have done a, a test of that with the Ministry of Defence in the UK. 
and they've agreed that our predictions are at least 90% accurate. So that validation recently, which in, you know, in data science terms, 90% is extremely good. So we're very happy with that. And that was a really big validation for us that, yeah, we're going in the right direction. And actually, we've got something really good. Which is a very good win. I think it's a very good recognition from the market, not just from a magazine, but actually in the real deal for real people. We're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about the dark side. As we all know, not everything going well all the time, and sometimes stuff goes bad. And this section right now, it's open. There's an idea in the future to close this section for patrons only, but for now, it's open. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Please continue listening and sharing. Carla, tell us about some horror stories, some bad stuff, some things like, oh, my God, why are we even in this business? Why this customer even exists? What do you want from us? I think this company are doing pretty well. There've been very few of those. Obviously, there are always customers that you don't win and things like that. And I take them pretty hard, to be honest. But I think things that are like the horror stories probably come from my previous business. Some of the people that I hired and some of the ways, some of the things those people did. There's probably too many as well to even go through on here. But people where you had thought you had treated them very well. Who turned around and sort of didn't treat you very well on the way out or people that lied extensively. There's a lot of stories there. Actually, now I look back and I can say they've made me a better leader because I've experienced those things. And I think I can hire better. I can exit people quicker and better. And when you've seen the bad side, it makes you appreciate the good. So most of those horror stories come from them. But you have a way to kind of turn around the horror stories to good stories because you learn from them to become a better person. And I think this is very, very important for everyone. Any recommendations you can provide to people that want to start their own companies or they want to join a company that's very early in the process? I think if you want to join a startup or a smaller business, particularly if you've not worked in a small business before, I think you need to get really clear on why it's different. Because I've seen a lot of people come from large businesses to small businesses and fail because they really didn't fully understand how different it would be. And I think the big difference is you have to be prepared to get stuck in and do almost anything yourself. You know, I have a very nice job title, but I will do lead gen if I need to, that I will make calls and take meetings. I don't pass these things over to other people. I'll do data entry some days because there's no one else to do it if I want it to be done really quickly. So I think having that understanding, I think is probably the biggest thing if you're thinking about joining a smaller company. This is a very good advice. I think it's a very important advice as well. Thank you for joining us today. I think you're my first person I'm interviewing here in UK. So it's definitely a pleasure. Thank you very much. Great, thank you. Thank you, everyone. We will talk to you in the next episode.